What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope we're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 39th episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be going fishing, talking about guys that we are catching and guys that we want to get on our fantasy teams, as well as releasing guys that we want nothing to do with at their draft value today. Joining me to break this all down is a man who is the creator of Debbie Fantasy. He was the 2018 The Athletic Person of the Year, the 2019 FSGA Humanitarian of the Year, and the winner of the 2021 Matthew Berry Game Changer Award. He is the creator of the biggest and most exciting fantasy football charity competition in the world, one of the most genuine, nice guys in the entire fantasy football community with over 40,000 followers on Twitter all the way from Minnesota. He is Scott Fish. How are you doing this fine morning, Scott? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I That's a lot of stuff you mentioned. I, it makes me wonder when my, when my days in this industry are done, what do I what do, what goes down as, as my legacy? I wonder if it is the creation of Devi because Devi is a huge thing now. It actually exists. It exists. Yes. It did not exist, you know, <laughs> when I started doing it over 20 years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm over 40,000 followers on Twitter, huh? I, I did not even realize that. You've been cooking along with the followers the last couple months. You were at what, around 30, I think, when, when Scott Fish pulled like a few months before getting when it was getting 30 going? Something, 32, 33, 35. I, I don't I actually, I just don't pay attention. I that When you said that, it was a surprise to me. <laughs> But <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to bring you surprises. And speaking of surprises, uh, it's kind of kind of interesting over the weekend. I got to do something pretty exciting that I've never gotten to do in my life. And now, officially, this is our third day. Moved into our first apartment over the weekend. The last oh. two years in college, I've been in a dorm. Now I feel like <laughs> I'm really ready to spread my wings and cook dinner for myself. And now nice. we have our very own apartment. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's um, really awesome. That's that's a fun. Uh, adult event is is to get into your own place like that that's that's awesome yeah it is a fun adult event but you know i gotta cook dinner now and, and do laundry you know pay the electric bill so it's it's gonna be an experience but i'm super excited to do it and um, i'm mm-hmm. super excited for this episode with that being said i'm not a fisherman we talked about this already a little bit before the <laughs> show but you know this is the best fishing that i could possibly do and the best way to get your feet wet and to get people doing but today I'm someone that likes to be with all kinds of positivity. Negativity is not my thing. So we're going to start off with these players, the guy that we catch the fish, and if we're like, this is an ugly fish, I'm throwing it back, I'm going to go for someone else. So, Scott, with that being said, who is your first release player? It, it's it's always going to start with Tyler Lockett for me. I'm I'm just – I lo- it's it's weird because I love the player. I love watching him play. I think he's a great player. I, I think he's a really good fit for that offense. But they always want to run more and more. Petey Sunshine, Pete Carroll always wants to run more. He stated that. Uh, they brought in probably a better third option this year in Eskridge. But I don't know how much he factors. But it's just the inconsistency. Uh, Lockett had four games over 70 yards last year. Eight of his 10 touchdowns came in three games. Uh, even the year before, four games counted up to almost 50% of his stats were in four games. Granted, you might win those weeks. Like you might be getting three or four wins off of those weeks, but the other weeks are just so painful. And, and I think my biggest problem is going within a round or, or so of him are like guys like 
Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and DJ Moore and and Higgins and Ayuk and and Claypool's even like around later. Galladay and Chase are there too. I mean, that's closer, you know, because they're starting to slide. But there's just too many guys I'd rather have for what inconsistency Lockett seems to bring year over year. Even though his final year end of year numbers are great. Yeah. Well, I think that's tough because I think, again, like looking back, Tyler Lockett was a top 18 wide receiver in half PPR each of the last three years. Now yep. he's going to use the wide receiver 20 in consensus rankings. So yeah. I, I, I see the value and people like like to love to talk. Oh, he had more targets than DK Metcalf. But I'm I'm with yeah. you. And again, my next player is all about inconsistency. Yeah. Lockett had 28. Just I don't mean to jump quick, no, but he had 28 touchdowns over the last three years. What if that goes down? What sure. if that finally regresses? For sure. But no, anyway, yeah. I'm with you. I think that's a fair case. I think. I'm willing to bet on him this year. Last year is scary, but just purely because he's been top 18 the last three years. But again, yeah. I don't know how much that inconsistency is going to even out. I think it'll even out a little bit more. But again, yeah. if you, I wouldn't be surprised if you said instead of four weeks, it was six or seven weeks that he was great. And then everything else, he was just an absolute dud. Um, yeah. I'm willing to take him at his price, but I think you make a fair case, especially when my next player, Mike Evans, is someone that I think was going to battle inconsistency as he has the last two years. And now he has even more competition in his offense. That's the thing. I mean, Mike Evans last year, people forget that he played all 16 games for just the third time in his seven seasons. And he had the lowest targets in his career and the lowest catches per game with 4.4. And the other thing that people talk about, like you talk touchdowns, I mean, 18.5% of Mike Evans catches last year were touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And Mike Evans had three or less catches in 10 out of 20 games Mm -hmm. last year. I've said that stat so many times, but it's baffling to me that three or less catches in 10 out of 20 games. But Scott, the thing is, not only did he have that happen, but that was with Antonio Brown coming in and playing within less than two weeks after signing with the team. And he still had three or less catches. Then you bring back OJ Howard, another year of Gronk, which I think will be helpful now that he's more back in football. You bring in Gio Bernard and all these other weapons. And I mean, Tyler Johnson, Jalen Darden, they have all these weapons. And the week-to-week consistency is just not for me when Mike Evans is still being drafted as a borderline wide receiver one. I get it, people. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Seven straight 1,000-yard seasons. I'm not taking away, but he's never had more competition, and I think that they're going to be up in a lot of games, which means they will throw a little bit less. I'm just not willing to take them at his price. Are you feeling that same way? No, exactly. And and Antonio Brown's target share at the end of the season screams that he's going to come on stronger. But you yeah. didn't even mention Gio Bernard is going to take passes too. Yeah. <laughs> like Unless Brady's throwing it 60 times a game, it's going to be really split up, and Mike Evans is probably going to fall from where he has been. Yeah, and I mean, it's a good thing for Tom Brady. But like, yeah, you, yeah. you can still argue that Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown are arguably top 15 wide receivers in the NFL or top 20. When you have three guys that are all top 20, I think clearly receivers and the best trio in the NFL, plus good tight ends that catch touchdowns and one of the best pass catching backs of our my generation or the last 10 years or so. I mean, again, it's just crazy for me. I don't get it with Mike Evans. But again, we can talk more about Mike Evans another day. Who is your second release player that you want to get rid of? You know, uh, I tried to do one per position, so I did four, but I think right, I'll just stick with the tight ends right now because I just don't understand the Dallas Goddard love. Um, he he gets a decent amount of targets, but I believe that he he's still going as tight end eight, which he has most of the summer, and Zach Ertz didn't leave. Like the market never corrected after Zach Ertz decided to stay. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to see out of that offense. And if Devonta Smith is good, he's going to take he's going to take some of those immense amount of targets that that Goddard was able to get last year. Uh, and this is, I mean, when Goddard and Ertz both played in the same game last year, Goddard had two red zone targets all season. 
Yeah, like that's that's not a lot of red zone work for Goddard when Ertz is also in there, and there, he's going in the same area as guys I just like more: Logan Thomas, uh, Noah Fant, you know, John R. Smith, who's even farther down the list. But I would re- probably rather have John R. Smith than Dallas Goddard right now. Um, it's it's just too, it's it's mostly just too high. It's just mostly too, too high, is what it is. I'm with you, and again, with Zach Ertz playing, and we're getting. I mean, I, I read a report from the Eagles training camp the other day that. Zach Ertz is the third most targets of Eagles training camp. I mean, granted, Dallas Goddard has those targets and catches, but the fact that Ertz is still playing a role, we're hearing yeah. reports out, and that's not good for Dallas Goddard long term. Right. I mean, they don't have a ton of pass catching weapons, but I'm with you. Where he's going, I'd rather take someone like a Logan Thomas. Yeah. Any day over him, and I think I'm I'm willing to stand by that um, all day. I'm with you, and I'll, I'll I'll stick with the tight end position with you. And mine is Kyle Pitts. I don't hate Kyle Pitts the talent. I think he's going to be amazing. I know he's clearly the number two pass game option in Atlanta, but again, we see breakout tight ends come up like your Darren Wallers, your Logan Thomas, and mm-hmm. Robert Tunyon. There's going to be a guy like that this year. And then you have Kittle, Waller, Kelsey, those three guys. I just feel like Kyle Pitts is bound to at least fail, at least given his ADP, given that he's going as the tight end five and going over mm-hmm. to Hawkinson in consensus rankings right now. That's just crazy to me because I think he's just going to have to have a historical tight end season this year as a rookie to do it. There's just not many rookies that have done that well. And they still have, I mean, Hayden Hurst, who's still not a bad player. Russell Gage, who had over 100 targets last year. Mike Davis, who's proved as a solid pass catcher. And then Calvin Ridley, who could absolutely set the world on fire. So I just think that the chances that Kyle Pitts hits at his ADP or reaches a higher ceiling is just so incredibly low. It it really is. I I very much agree with all of that. I have Pitts ranked in that three, in that four to six range right there with Hawkinson Mm -hmm. and and uh and andrews only because his ceiling is you know like he could explode i think the question is how much tight end work they give him or if they just split him out wide the whole time because if they try to split him out wide the whole time there's a case to be made that russell gage was the third receiving option on that team last year and his stats as the third receiving option on that team last year would have been good for tight end three granted kittle was injured but i mean there's a path there but Everything needs to break right is the problem. You need literally everything to break right for him to hit where he's going. And that's the thing you said. is like I don't hate Kyle Pitts. I'm not saying, oh, Kyle Pitts is my 13th ranked tight end. No, I'm not saying that. No. He's, he's like my he's my tight end six right now, just behind Mark Andrews, Hawkinson, and the big three. So, again, again, tight end five, tight end six. I don't blame yep. him for ranking. I just wouldn't take him right now where he's going in drafts. I'd rather wait a little later, take Logan Thomas, or take someone that's a little bit more safe above him, like you said. Everything has to break right. Um, so I'd love to hear your running back in this position. So who is your third release player? You know, I went I went a little deeper on the running back just because I, I hate this situation. But in like it, we're talking ninth, tenth round, which I don't understand. It's it's David Johnson. I just can't take him at all. Philip Run- Lindsay is running as the starter in that offense, and Lindsay and Ingram Ingram were listed above him on the depth chart. Uh, Lindsay's going four rounds later. If if I'm going to take a running back on a team that's going to be in a negative game script all the time. They're going to be losing all, all the time. Uh, I would rather have, I would rather have the guy that's going in the 13th round than the ninth round. I can't touch David Johnson when in a range where there's so many of those like sleeper kind of wide receivers that could break out. Like I don't want to take, a gross second RB option at that point. Um, it's kind of a weak call. I, I like my quarterback call better, but my, my running back call, uh, David Johnson, I just I just can't do anything with him this year. I think that's a great call, actually. I know it's round nine or ten, and people are like, come on, Scott. Like, it's round nine or ten. It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. 
because David Johnson, his ceiling is so low when he's the third running back on probably the worst team in the entire NFL that may or may not have Deshaun Watson this year. I just don't really get the upside. And I get, you know, David Johnson last year produced okay numbers, mm-hmm. but we're not chasing okay numbers. We're chasing someone that could actually win us our league in that range. And when David Johnson is not even the number two running back on that team right now, um, just not someone that I'm willing to chase. Another guy that I'm not willing to chase at all is J.K. Dobbins. And before people shut off the podcast and say, I hate you, I hate you, I love J.K. Dobbins, the player. I love J.K. Dobbins, the talent. I love J.K. Dobbins, the NFL talent that he will be this year. But what I don't love J.K. Dobbins is is this crazy game called fantasy football. And here's the reason why. I want someone that can win me your leagues, right? Obviously, everyone wants someone to win their leagues. Well, how about targets? Targets are the biggest thing for fantasy football, especially in half in sorry, PPR leagues or half PPR. And the total Ravens running back touches over the last two years, not touches, targets, were 52 in 2019 and 51 in 2020. That's not many targets going to their offense. I mean, they're running backs. The most targeted running back in the Lamar Jackson era was Mark Ingram in 2019 with 30 running back targets. And it's not – if J.K. Dobbins was Derrick Henry and he's going to get 20, 25 touches a game – that might be one thing, but Gus Edwards is there. And Gus Edwards has been one of the most efficient backups in NFL history, arguably. And they said there were reports out of camp saying that Gus Edwards might be the goal line back and the third down back. And that's fine. And again, if, if you don't believe that, that's fine. But I'm going to lean on the fact that at the end of the day, that there has been no more than 30 running back targets to a running back in this offense. And now they have more competition, more wide receivers than they've ever had before. So I think that, again, I just don't see the ceiling unless J.K. Dobbins gets an absurd, absurd amount of targets that this offense has never had for their running back. So please, please, Scott, I think this is a place that we could disagree. I disagree with a lot of people, but I just don't see the ceiling from J.K. Dobbins if he doesn't get the passing work. The, yes, in PPR, this is absolutely true, and, and every point you made is absolutely right. I love J.K. Dobbins as a player, but I expected him to take over the lead role there, and it – Every report is he's not going to. Yeah. So, so um, I, I, I feel like I'm stealing some hosting duties away from you. But that, that really leads me to who my first catch is. Oh, I love it. I love in it. In Gus Go. Edwards. Oh, okay. Go, please. Lead right in. I, I threw you the lob. Don't get <laughs> it. Yeah, it's, it's Gus Edwards going in the ninth or tenth round. Uh, it's uh, – for, for me, it's it's a team that runs constantly. They average nearly 35 attempts per game. No team over the last four years has used running backs more than the Ravens do. Uh, the, Lamar Jackson's uh, style of, of being able to run is always good for running backs. It opens up lanes because they have to keep a spy on the quarterback at all times. Um, he has gone for over 700 yards every sing- each of the last three years which is already decent value as a round nine or 10 guy. If you're getting a guy that's gained 700, 800 yards and, and four five, six touchdowns, that's fine in round nine or nine or, or 10. But if Dobbins doesn't, you know, if he gets hurt, anything happens to him, you have a starting running back for the most run heavy team in the league. He had nine carries inside the five last year. Dobbins had eight. So he, he had 17 inside the 10 Dobbins had 13 he gets a little he gets about the same usage if not a little more inside the five and ten and you just mentioned reports seem to be that he might be the goal line back um going into those like early you know 10th round or so 
he's just such a good good flex option especially for people who you know maybe only grabbed one stud running back or or are trying to have a platoon i'm really liking gus edwards that late i love it i absolutely love that you have him that late um i think he's one of the best picks that you can possibly make because like we've seen is gus edwards has been insanely efficient Mm -hmm. he's good and he has weekly flex value i mean no matter what they're still going to give him around at least 10 touches a game and in that offense, when the holes are open, those are good, valuable touches. I know, Alex, 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 I hear you. But what you're saying is he's going to be efficient. He's going to be good in that role in the offense. Well, that's fine in the 10th or 11th round. I'm just not willing to take J.K. Dobbins in round three or four for that same role. But you can get so much out of that with Gus Edwards in the later rounds. Um, Scott, I absolutely love that pick. Sticking on the theme of running backs for that, I've talked about this guy a lot on the podcast. And, again, we're closing down – to redraft season you know there's not many episodes left i think after this i have three episodes left one of them is an injury episode one of them is a wide receiver with episode with matt Harmon. so i only have one other chance really to talk about this player so i have to shovel this down people <laughs> and that is antonio gibson is my first catch player i absolutely love antonio gibson one of the things that people forget about him is just the fact that this guy wasn't even a running back in college he's a wide receiver and beyond that okay i know people that he only had 11 more catches than he did rush attempts in college, but he had 77 total college touches, 77. That's it. And then this guy walks into the NFL and was fifth in PFF rushing grade last year, fifth in most missed tackles forced per rush, 15th in yards per carry, number one in stuff rate. And then his running backs coach are saying this guy is night and day from where he was last year and learning how to play the running back position. All reports out of camp and everything like that. So the turf toe is fine. He said the turf toe is fine. And then Kyle Allen, former Panthers quarterback, said that they're trying to force Antonio Gibson into the Christian McCaffrey role in their offense to get all the touches. I know we haven't seen it in the preseason, but again, this guy was a wide receiver in college. And every time you see him mm-hmm. touch the ball and get catches, he's absolutely electric. I think that this guy could be this year's top five breakout running back. I think the touchdowns, the offense, and everything like that, and the fact there was 150 targets that went to this running back position, and you're telling me that you expect J.D. McKissick, who's had more than 50 targets in a season once in his career and has already played for three or four teams at age 28, is going to be taking away third down pass work from a guy that was a wide receiver in college? you got to be joking, people. Scott, please please help me out here. Tell us. No, you're 100% right. I've, I've drafted him on the corner a lot. I love when I grab the Eckler and uh, Gibson corner. <laughs> it's, it makes me very happy. No, I, I love Gibson. You're absolutely right. I feel like last year was, you know, Rivera, obviously, Coach McCaffrey. So it's, it's fun to hear those comparisons. But uh, I, I think that last year was about getting Gibson – to learn the running back position and having McKissick, who is capable as a receiver, uh, take on that role as Gibson learned how to be a running back. And he did well. <laughs> he scored 10 touchdowns. Yeah, he, uh, he did well as a learning his running back role. Now that he's got that down and now he's worked with that, he can add the, uh, the next facet to his game. And this is the year that that, that breakout comes. I, I'm a thousand percent on board with everything you said, I'm I'm a big time Gibson fan. And listen, you know, there's some people that are listening to me hate on J.K. Dobbins and Mike Evans, and I'm sure those are your favorite players. And you're like, this guy's an idiot. I don't listen to him. <laughs> Scott Fish said he agrees. So if you yeah. don't, you know, if you don't want to believe me, send send your questions and your your sticks and fire and everything like that. Send it to Scott. Send it to me. I've gotten plenty of guys. So 
it's it's interesting because I love J.K. Dobbins. I love watching him play. I just wish yeah. he would catch the ball more. Exactly. And the fact that he's going mid second, if he's going mid third, I'm I'm smashing that every time. Yeah. But he's going mid second where there there's just a few more options that are that are falling into that range that I generally want. Yeah, exactly. And I'm a hundred percent with you with that. But who is yeah. your second catch player? Uh, you know what, this, this is going way too deep probably, but I, I just cannot leave a draft. I refuse to leave a draft draft without, without Terrace Marshall Jr. I just refuse. I can't do it. It's deep. I know, but he's jumping right into the slot role for Carolina. He's reunited with Joe Brady. He played like 73% from the slot in college. So he knows that he can play outside. He's already lighting it up both in camp and in the preseason game. Steve Smith is, is like, he's that dude. He's just that dude. Uh, this is an offense that had all three of their wide receivers. And granted, I know Christian McCaffrey was out last year, but all three of their wide receivers were top 30 options last year. But look at what Darnold did with slot receivers in New York. It's clear that he kind of likes slot receivers. So, I think that there's an, a possibility right there, and especially if there's any kind of injury, but there's a possibility right there for Terrace Marshall, who's going like 12th, 13th round, um, maybe even later, that he can be a flex-worthy option. And there's a possibility he just takes over as just a stud. So getting him super, super late as a bench guy that can become a flex-worthy option, I can't leave my draft without him. I like that. I like that a lot. I have to put you on the spot here a little bit. With that said, and the, um, how much you like Terrace Marshall, are you fading Robbie Anderson and or DJ Moore right now at their draft price? He, here's the thing: their draft prices aren't terrible. Oh. <laughs> they're not. They're not super terrible. Um, but I'm not fading them as much. I I really like DJ Moore, but I'm not fading them as much as just there's other options I'd rather have there. And yeah. and I'm a guy that. Like, I'm not the guy who drafts Godwin and Evans. I'm not the guy who drafts Lockett and DK. You know, everybody has their own strategy, but I'm the guy who, you know, I'm going to place my chips on on one guy I want to break out in offense usually. maybe I suppose maybe I'll take Jefferson and Thielen <laughs> as, a, as a homer. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. Um, but, no, I, I like their draft prices, and I'm fine with anyone who takes them there. It's just I generally take other players in the, those spots, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to root for my bench guy to get more time. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. My second player is a guy where, like, again, on uh, actually on Twitter, the day before um, I, the day before this player had the biggest preseason game we might have seen so far among any player that's not named Ramondre Stevenson. Um, my pick is Ramondre Stevenson. I tweeted out my exposure to different players in redraft, and this player was my second most owned player in redraft so far behind only DeAndre Swift. And that is Marquez Callaway. I already had him on four out of five teams before his second preseason game. Sure. And people don't realize how great this guy is. I mean, his first game, he had three catches for 61 yards. And then his second game with Jameis, he had five catches for 104 yards and two touchdowns. And the biggest thing that I really liked about him is, one, he's the number one wideout. And all reports out of camps that he's been the number one wideout with Michael Thomas. So, but the other things, for people that aren't familiar, is a company called Fantasy Points. And they have who is regarded as one of the best film experts of all time, from what I've read, and this guy named Greg Cassell. And I guess this Greg Cassell guy was talking him up relentlessly last year. And now that he has a chance to be the number one target, that's not Alvin Kamara in the offense. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders last year was like, this kid Callaway is doing big things. And when he got an opportunity last year, he shined. And when he's got an opportunity this year in preseason, he shined. And he's still going in the 13th, 14th round like Terrace Marshall. He's just a guy that I have to take in the late rounds because there's not many guys that you can get around rounds 12, 13, 14, 15, however late you want to go. 
that could legitimately be the number one option in their passing attack. Mm-hmm. Marquez Callaway for now is that option. Are you feeling? Are you are you coming out with him at all in your draft? I, I'm not because he keeps get, getting stolen before me. I was just in a draft the other night that Jamie Eisenberg took him like four picks before me or something. It annoyed the crap out of me. But um, I did not know Greg Cosell, who like uh, is a legend in this industry. He's, he worked for NFL Films for years. He's probably watched more tape on players than pretty much anyone in our industry, and he loves them that much, which says a ton. Um yeah. That's wow. That is interesting to know. And maybe bumps him up my ranks a little bit, but I'm, I'm kind of loving these guys like Marquez uh, Callaway. Um, he's at least got probably going to be the top receiver for half a season and, and guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, who it's possible he becomes the number one receiver in Detroit and you're getting him double digit rounds. I love when you can steal away a top, a team's top option. Jacoby Myers is another one. Uh, you know, really late in drafts. It's, it's, it's something that happens every year and you've pegged one right here. I love it. I love it. I think it's going to happen. Like I said, if if Greg Cassell believes some people that don't know, look it up, just look up Greg Cassell, Marquez Callaway on Google, and you should be able to find some sort of article of him talking about him last year. And that's even before he was the number one guy this year. Again, I'm a full believer and um, guy that I will be getting a lot more shares of as much as I can in drafts. But Scott, who is your third and final catch player for today? Yeah, this is this is this is a total me pick um, because I loved Percy Harvin coming out, okay. oh. and I loved him for the Vikings. Um, and I feel like Harvin with Meyer. I feel like Harvin is going to use Lavisca Chanel in a similar way. And now with Travis Etienne, who I thought he was going to try to use in that Harvin or or even Cordero Patterson type type situation where you just get him the ball in space and make them do things. Uh, Etienne is out now. I think that boosts LaVisca Chenault. He's already the third receiver in that option, in that offense, um, if you consider Marvin Jones ahead of him. But he's got the third receiver role and that you know designed play to get him in space role. And he can run it out of the backfield as well. I just, I just feel like Urban Meyer, especially in college, showed a propensity to have not just gadget players, but players that he would get in space and try to design plays for. And it feels like Visca is the type of player that he loves having and loves trying to figure out fun plays to to get involved and get work off of. Um, it, it, and, and mostly, it's it's about his price. He's going to a place where I don't feel bad about taking him. You know, if he was if he was going higher, if he was going as a wide receiver two, I wouldn't want anything to do with him. But the where he's going as a wide receiver four, so I'll take him every day, especially in PPR. The I mean, the get them out in space and make them do things, guys. I mean, those, yeah. those guys in PPR are, are, are always excellent. I think LaVisca is a guy that I was already believing in before Travis Etienne got hurt. Yeah. And now that he's out, I think there's going to be even more plays for, I mean, LaVisca to break out. And then the other thing is, I mean, DJ Chark, I think, broke his finger. He's been out of practice, and he's mm-hmm. supposed to be ready for week one, but he hasn't been there a lot. Marvin Jones now has an AC joint sprain. And now mm-hmm. he's on track to play for week one, but he's out there for a little bit, which means, and Travis Etienne is out, which means more touches for yeah. LaVisca, more time yep. to make connection. And where he's going, like we just talked about Marcus Callaway, this is a guy that at that point in the draft that you can literally get and have end up being the number one option. It could be an absolute cheat code in PPR league, especially if he's getting some touches out of the backfield for rushing, receiving little jet sweeps, yeah. stuff like that. Um, he's someone that I'm absolutely in on and coming away with um, in as many drafts as I possibly can. But Scott, my number three player, and I know people, I know, I know. Scott, you have, you have a kid, right? You have a son. Um, I do. 
So I'm guessing as a dad, you understand that sometimes there's things that you might not understand that you have to tell him over and over, whether it's cleaning your room or making sure that you put the plate in the dishwasher or something like that. <laughs> tell him over and over, correct? Sure. Yep. This is the thing for my podcast listeners that aren't believing that I have to say over and over. And this is my former flag plant. I just believe too much in DeAndre Swift. Um, and that is Jalen Hurts is my final catch player of the day. I just don't get anyone that is not absolutely all absolutely in love with Jalen Hurts. And here's why. I mean, obviously, last year it's a small sample size, but he passed for over 330 yards and two out of three starts. He averaged 79 rushing yards per game. But people forget that his offensive line missed three out of five total seasons. That's like 48 combined games missed by their starting five offensive linemen. But the biggest thing, people have heard me talk about this stat a lot. This is from Ian Hart. It's my guy, friend of the show. <laughs> Since 2010, there have been 22 instances of a quarterback totaling at least 100 rush attempts in a single season. 19 of those 22 players, Scott, were a top eight fantasy QB in points per game. Top eight. That is 19 out of 22, which is 87% for you math wizards. The only three to not do it, 2012 Tim Tebow, 2014 Colin Kaepernick, and 2020 dumpster fire receiving core of my New England Patriots, Cam Newton. That is very rare company to be in. So unless you're saying that he is one of those guys, then, I mean, don't take him at that point. But I think all signs point. And that's, what did I say, Scott? I said 100 rushing attempts. That's mm -hmm. four and a half per game. And yeah. Jalen Hurts averaged over 11. And rushing upside yep. bumps that up even more. And the last thing I'll say is, again, Jalen Hurts last year was the QB3 in his three starts, QB7 if you count the last game where he didn't really play much in the second half. And then you add Devontae Smith, who just had a won the college Heisman, and yep. Kenny Gainwell, who's one of the best pass catchers in this entire draft, and year two, and the fact that he was the quarterback three while passing for 52% completion percentage, and he was still the QB3. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm all in on Jalen Hurts. He is this year's Lamar Jackson. People keep fading him because of his numbers and everything like that. But if because of his record upside alone, you're drafting him as his floor, and he is a legitimate top three season this year, top three ceiling. So, so as you were saying that, I, I was going to try to look up an old tweet of mine from about two, three years ago that was almost exactly the same argument, almost exactly, uh, for Lamar Jackson. And I said his floor is QB seven based on very, very similar points. Um, so I could definitely see it. I, I'm definitely on board. I feel like the industry and ADP has not come around that far on him. Like you can still get him as your QB, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. Like, I feel like he's still going, you know, after the big eight and then after Tannehill and after Brady and, and those guys who are in, usually in the nine, 10 spots. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those that if, if you pass on quarterback, you want to get an upside guy like that, or if you, or if you want grab him and someone stable like a Ryan or a cousins or, or whatever that, that I love pairing the super high upside guy with a super safe guy uh, just in case, but I, I'm with you. Jalen hurts has every possibility to hit. By, by the way, that number is ridiculous. I mean, averaging, averaging over 70 yards rushing per game is just, that's, that's not human. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, and part of you wonders, was his line so bad that he had, like, I haven't watched every, like, I, I remember watching last year, but I, sh I haven't watched with the eye of how many of those did he have to take off because his line was so bad, how many were designed, you know, what's the offense going to be like surrounding that this year, but, um, you know, he's got some games under his belt, it'll be a full season, I'm, I, I like the call, I like the call.
And the one thing, and I'm not going to name names here because I don't think it's fair, but one of the things that I can't stand with the Jalen Hurts argument, I just have to say this because I'm so frustrated about it, is people that are saying Jalen Hurts won't be good this year because people have film on him. Did that, <laughs> did that happen for Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or Josh Allen or these other running quarterbacks that weren't great passers to start? Murray was a great passer to start. No. No, people. He's it started three games. Not all of a sudden they have this film and they're going to stop him. They haven't figured out a way to stop Lamar Jackson. They haven't figured out a way to stop Josh Allen or Kyler Murray. And I know all those guys are probably better passers than Jalen Hurts at this point. But those rushing quarterbacks, there's just been no way to stop them in the NFL. Playoffs is a different story. Yeah, I, I, feel, I, I feel like the, the film on him thing is becoming antiquated with the rushing quarterback because running is the, – the rushing aspect of it is – it's hard to like, it's hard to say, oh, this is a tell they do when they et cetera. It's the passing that, it, that you get film on how they, how they read the field. Like Trey Lance reads the field low to high, like how they go through their progressions. Like that's, that's where the film catches up with a lot of guys. I think the rushing quarterbacks have a slight advantage on, on that, that the film doesn't catch up to them as fast. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. The other thing, Scott, I know my final question for you today is the flag panel. We'll get into that. We have a little bit of time, okay? okay? And there's a player that you brought up a little bit earlier that I want to talk about and circle back because it was just about maybe a week ago now or maybe a week and a half ago that I came on to this player, and I just started saying, holy moly, I found this year's late-round tight end, and I made a TikTok video on it. So if you follow me on TikTok, you've probably seen it. But this is just absolutely ridiculous, and it's Logan Thomas. Yeah. And if you aren't a believer in Logan Thomas, just listen up for just a second. He ran the highest percentage of routes among all tight ends last year. He was number one in total routes, ran for tight ends, third in targets, his second year as a starter at tight end. The beat reporters in all of their camp have been hyping them up, and he is super, super athletic, similar to Darren Waller. I was feeding Darren Waller last year because he had more competition, so how can he do it, whatever. But again, one is just the volume of routes and all that alone. Just the fact that he's there in snap percentage, he's going to be on the field for every single play that's going to help him. But here's the thing that really made him believe, and I'll be honest, people, this is embarrassing to say. This is a true story. I read this quote that I'm about to tell you guys, and I got anxiety that I don't have Logan Thomas in one <laughs> I have him in two out of five leagues right now, and I'm like, this is not enough. So Logan Thomas was the tight end three last year. Okay, everybody, listen up. Logan Thomas was the tight end three. Ron Rivera was asked about Logan Thomas this year. And they said, how do you expect Logan Thomas to do this year? And he's like, well, he's like, I don't know his stats off the top of my head, but I expect his stats that he had last year to be the absolute minimum that he has last year. And I wouldn't be shocked if he has over 100 catches this year. We added a ton of speed to the offense to help the tight end directly, and I wouldn't be shocked if Logan Thomas has over 100 catches. And that's with the volume of routes and targets and snap percentage and the fact that he's the second year starting at the tight end and that's the fact that he's also had so much hype coming out of camp logan thomas is going to be a breakout tight end this year and i will not let anyone tell me otherwise sounds like you're feeling the same way yeah i and one thing you noticed last year when watching washington is he's always on the field like i would have logan thomas and i'd be i'd be watching washington and be like he's always on there you always have a chance to like his snaps must be through the roof you know yeah. So, um, and, and as far as the athletic thing, we're, we're talking about a guy who is 
definitely top five tight end coming out of high school. Like he might've been number one. He was a four or five star recruit. Um, in college, he played quarterback for Virginia tech for a while. He, he converted back to tight end, but like he's athletic enough and headwise enough, you know, smart enough to be able to play quarterback and re read defenses and then move back to tight end. So he's got all of that in his arsenal. Uh, but I I'm very much with you. I'm Logan Thomas is a guy. I think he's going like, tight end nine right now, something like that, um, 10, nine or 10, um, that could easily jump into that top five or six. And again, I, I don't think he gets talked about enough. And like I said, we're running out of episodes. So I have to hammer it down because there's just one of those realizations yeah. that you find late in the off season. And you're just like, holy moly, I feel like I cracked the code and everything points to it. And for the people that are saying, okay, well, I didn't watch him play. You want to know how athletic he is? I mean, this is a guy that had an 89th percentile 40 yard dash. 91st percentile speed score, 71st percentile burst score, 87th percentile agility score, 94th percentile catch radius. And for the people that are like, you're just throwing out numbers at me, I don't really care. The higher it is, the closer it is to 100 is where he finishes yep. among all tight ends in the history of the player profiler database. And he's 6'6", 250. It's and, not <laughs> you know what I mean? And he can run a 4'6", 40-yard dash as a tight end. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Again, I know people, you're tired of hearing me talk about Logan Thomas, but again, <laughs> if you don't, you will be sorry. But Scott, the final question I have for you today, my favorite question on the podcast, is what is your 2021 flag plant, your boldest prediction that you absolutely believe in this year? I, see, I don't know how much I absolutely believe in it, but uh, <laughs> I'm 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 known as a Debbie guy. I'm known as a deep dynasty guy. I'm, I'm generally immersed in the rookies love the deeper deeper plays a guy i want to grab at the end of my drafts is a guy by the name of diami brown and i've i've mentioned this you know on a bunch of shows earlier in the offseason that he could not have gone to a more perfect spot he what he excels at is deep speed down the field and contested catches in the end zone especially and he is paired up with ryan fitzpatrick and that is Ryan Fitzpatrick's specialty is, is throwing those YOLO balls up. Um, I think that I think that he can make his way into that starting lineup. Curtis Samuel is still hurt. You know, he's still hurt, which puts Diami in a spot where he can get on the field. And on a podcast earlier this year, I was I was asked to make the boldest call I can possibly make that has a chance of happening. Again, I don't know that I think it happens, but I said Diami Brown leads Washington in touchdowns. I don't think it happens for sure, but can you see a scenario where Diami Brown scores five or six, seven touchdowns and, and Logan scores five or six and, and uh, you know, um, McLaurin scores six or seven. Well, like, like I can see Diami in that mix. I can see him taking over that role, being a starter. And he's a guy you're getting as your last or second or third last to pick in your drafts. Basically what I want to say is my bold cause Diami Brown's going to be a thing and you should get him on your roster. I love, I love that call. Uh, I do have to say, this is my first year ever playing Dynasty, and like I'm a redraft guy, and I'd like to say think I'm I'm okay at figuring out redraft stuff. <laughs> sorry to admit, I I dropped Dynami Brown because he was like I thought he was like the last guy on my bench in my first ever Dynasty league, and I oh, dropped man. him for Olamide's kids. Oh man, oh man. And it was literally, I hadn't heard anything about him. I was like, he's a speed guy. He's unlikely to be like really great. Let's right. to Sean Jackson. I drop him three days later. Washington is absolutely loving Dynamic Brown <laughs> camp, and he's been absolutely amazing. I was just like, you idiot. 
But again, oh. first year in Dynasty was still getting the hang of it. And that's why I talk about redraft on my podcast because Dynasty, clearly, I am not an astute player, but I will never make that mistake again. We've, you will. And I've done it. We've all done it. Like Victor Cruz was the guy who went off for years and I dropped him in preseason one year right before he went off. And like, no, we, we all have him. We, it's going to happen. That's Dynasty. You'll, you'll drop a guy that breaks out. Who was the guy that you said? Just Victor Cruz. I, you know, oh, he was he was wow. the guy that was good for many many years, and I had him on my dynasty team, and I dropped him in the preseason, like oh. right at the start of preseason, and then he decided to become a thing for years. And no, we all have we all have it happen. Just a guy that we don't realize is going to be anything, and then boom, there's something. It's tough, and it happens to everyone every year, and you're going to make those mistakes. But again, those are the things that you keep in mind of that next time I'm going to drop the next. Jimmy Brown, and I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think twice, and I might keep him for an extra week to wait for that camp hype report. But again, when you make mistakes in fantasy football, that is your opportunity for learning and getting better, and that is the yep. only way you will do it. Just like getting feedback, anything like that, people have heard me give that whole spiel before. But, Scott, that is it for today. Nice. Thank you so, so much for coming on the episode. Do you have any closing thoughts or anything that you want to plug for the listeners to know? Uh, I don't really. I, I you know, I'm – I. I really don't just the the thing I used to tag forever and ever on when I went to show is like, you can follow me on Twitter, Scottfish 24, and that's where you can find everything. But really I just like to promote, if you're in a league, give one entry fee to charity. Like that's, that's all you have to do. And with the hundreds of thousands of leagues out there, we can do a ton of good. Your league isn't going to miss it. You can have the winner decide the charity. You can decide before the season starts. It doesn't matter. Just one of those entry fees, you're not going to miss it. Uh, try to do something good. Uh, that's, that's really the only thing I guess I, I would throw out there. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think like you said, there's no better way to get back. Like you said hundreds of thousands even if you said you didn't want to donate one entry fee and you said, we're going to donate $10 from every right. and you have that times hundreds of thousands or millions of leagues every year. Imagine how much money, if you take $10 away from every single pot in a fantasy, exactly. money you can make. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. And that right there, people is why you see that this is a man that has won so many awards over the last couple of years. One of the true gentlemen of the sport. And like I said, people I talked about on a podcast briefly that I went to the fantasy football expo, and I have to say, and I know Scott, you're just like, I'm just Scott, whatever. But like one of the nicest, most genuine people I've ever met. Thank Anyone you. that came up to talk to you all the time, you were kind and generous with your time. And I think that people don't talk about that enough. And people that I was talking to after the expo, and I know you're tired of hearing these things, were like, wow, like Scott Fish is such a nice guy in person. Like I'd never met it before. People were so complimentary. And like I said, give him a follow. You will absolutely not regret it, especially if you want a chance to be in the 2022 Scott Fish Bowl. Scott Fish Bowl. <laughs> 12 will that be yep yep it's gonna be big live events around the country some uh some really major venues it sounds like too so it's gonna be a lot of fun love to see it love to see it well scott thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for everything that you do for everyone in the fantasy football community absolutely does not go unnoticed and like you said people ten dollars from every league pot can make so 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 much money this year if you donate to charity but you can also just donate a entry fee but again like i said for that Please follow Scott, and thank you guys so much for listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast today. The best way that you can help me and be the best that we can be, and like we already talked about his feedback, that is the truly the best way for me to learn. Even if you hate me and you're like, I hate this guy's voice, stop talking about Logan Thomas in your podcast. Again, <laughs> I need to know those things so I can get better because learning and hearing feedback is the only way that you can get better. So please leave it for me, and you guys already know what to do, um, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day.